Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Hello and welcome to History of Europe Kibatos podcast. This is the Russo-Turkish War of 1768-1774 and the annexation of Crimea. Part 1 of 2. In early 2014, Crimea became the focus of the worst East-West crisis since the Cold War, when Russian forces seized control of the Crimean Peninsula from their neighbour Ukraine. An earlier annexation of Crimea by Russians took place more than two centuries previously, in the year 1783, during the reign of Catherine the Great, and was a significant moment in the rise of Russia as a great power. Then it was captured from the Ottoman Empire, which was in a state of slow decline. It was a time when the political shape of Europe was forming into six great powers. Britain, France, Habsburg-Austria, Prussia, Russia and the Ottomans, while all other states were significantly weakened or even threatened with extinction. An example is Poland, which lost a substantial part of its territory in the so-called First Partition, which took place at the same time as the conflict for Crimea, the Russo-Turkish War, 1768-1774. to In the earlier Austrian War of Succession, 1756-1763, to Europe had divided into two blocs. On the one hand, Britain and Prussia, and on the other, France, Austria and Russia. These blocs had only appeared recently in the so-called Diplomatic Revolution, which had altered a number of traditional allegiances, in particular the enmity between France and Habsburgs. Russia's relationship with Austria was largely positive, in part due to sharing a common foe, the Ottoman Empire. Russia traditionally also had good diplomatic relations with Britain since their trading relationships were mutually beneficial, but a more troubled relationship with Prussia since both coveted Polish-owned territory, which lay between them, especially on the Baltic coast. The Commonwealth of Poland-Lithuania comprised a significant amount of territory, stretching from the Baltic in the north to nearly down to the Black Sea in the south, between the rivers Dniester and Dnieper neighbouring Russia to its east, and Prussia and Austria to its west. It had a weak elected monarchy, which was dominated by nobles. 
This Republic of Anarchy, as Norman Davis describes it, was unable to make the necessary military reforms to compete with its neighbours, and so had become a dependency of Russia. In October 1763, the King of Poland, Augustus III, passed away. Augustus had made no attempt to make reforms or reduce his country's dependency on Russia. His death opened an opportunity for Catherine and her minister, Nikita Panin, who wanted to stabilise the position in Northern Europe by creating a group of client states in Poland, Sweden and Denmark. As they saw it, a third Saxon king in Poland would risk making the Polish crown hereditary. Further, they knew that King Louis XV of France was interested in reviving the French interest in Poland and supported a Saxon succession. Catherine decided that Russian control could be extended by pushing a native candidate and chose an individual named Stanislav Poniatowski, who came from an old magnate family and had earlier spent some years residing in the Russian court. Frederick the Great of Prussia saw a diplomatic opportunity. The Seven Years' War, just passed, had shown him that the opponent to fear most was Russia, so in return for a defensive alliance, he offered to support the election of Poniatowski. And so, in the year 1764, Russia and Prussia came to an agreement, known as the Northern Accord. Russian troops were sent in to make sure that the Polish Diet did what was required. The Polish were left out in the cold, a humiliation piled on top of those they had endured at the Treaty of Paris, which ended the Seven Years' War. When the last vacancy of the Polish throne had occurred, back in 1733, France had gone to war to try and impose her own candidate. She had failed then, but at least managed to acquire new territory for herself, namely Lorraine. But in 1764 she stood helplessly by, as Russia's start was rising, France's was waning. When the new King Stanislav showed signs of trying to implement a modernisation programme by limiting the use of the magnate's veto and strengthening the powers of Poland's central government, Catherine reminded him and his followers who really ruled there. Under the banner of principles of the Enlightenment and posing as the defender of oppressed minorities, she demanded Poland establish religious toleration for its Protestant and Orthodox subjects. As Anthony Upton put it in his book on Europe, 1600-1789, this touched an essential pillar of Polish identity and provoked powerful internal resistance. Early in the year 1768, opponents of Russian interference in the Commonwealth grouped together in the so-called Confederation of Bar named after the town in Ukraine where they met. It lacked leadership of serious calibre and its programme on faith and national freedoms was vague, but essentially they wanted to reassert the national, traditional constitution. The Russians put pressure on Stanislav to declare himself against the Confederation, but he prevaricated. At this point, France intervened by sending money to the Confederates and encouraging the Ottomans to declare war on Russia. The forces of the Polish crown and Russian troops combined and defeated the Confederates at the Battle 
of Lancorona in February 1771. Russian involvement stoked sympathy for the cause and a popular resistance movement spread over southeastern Poland-Lithuania. Stanislav and the Russians employed, among others, Ukrainian Cossack paramilitary bands called Haidamaks to put down the revolt, which they did so very forcefully. One incident in particular between the Cossacks and the rebels was to have significant consequences. In mid-June 1768, a detachment of Haidamaks were pursuing some Confederate soldiers and crossed the border into Moldavia, which was a vassal of the Ottomans. Though details are contested, something happened that resulted in the massacre of about a thousand inhabitants and combat between the Haidamaks and the Janissary garrison. Any attack on Balta by Russian subjects could be viewed in Istanbul as a serious provocation. It was an important market town and of considerable strategic value to the Ottomans because it stood at the junction of the Bug, Denistra and Prut rivers. The Sultan Mustafa III was already angry that Russia seemed to be exploiting instability in several of his territories, including Moldavia, Crimea, Montenegro and in the Caucasus. Concerned at the threat to the Ottoman frontier and the security of her Moldavian vassals, Mustafa decided to declare war on Russia. Over the previous decades, the Ottomans had repeatedly resisted the temptation to get involved in helping anti-Russian forces in the Commonwealth. They were concerned about Russia's growing strength and did not want to provoke St. Petersburg into military action. The Ottomans had experienced a period of relative peace, at least on their northern border. This began in the reign of Sultan Ahmed III, reign 1703 to 1730, which is known to posterity as the Tulip Period. Its name derives from a tulip craze which occurred then among the Ottoman court society. Every April, Ahmed held a grand fete in which countless vases of flowers were displayed, carefully placed for their harmonising colours and shapes. The Tulip Period saw a flowering of arts, culture and architecture. A classic example is the Fountain of Ahmed III in front of Topkapi Palace in Istanbul. The architectural style is a fusion of classical Islamic elements with Baroque European ones, making it into a distinct Ottoman architectural style of the 18th century. His successors defended the northern Ottoman frontier against Russian and Austrian aggression in the 1730s, and then deliberately stayed out of the Austrian War of Succession and Seven Years' War. In fact, the year 1740-68 to 68 was one of the longest periods of peace for the Ottoman Empire in its entire history, except for some trouble on the border with Persia. The Turks were thus able to enjoy economic recovery and benefited from the expanding world economy. The period is all significant for the growth of a provincial elite that was facilitated by the decentralisation of tax collection and concentration of military mobilisation in the hands of the local tax officials. Tensions between this new elite and the Janissary loyalists in Istanbul became a constant motif in the power politics of the empire. 
However, during this period, the Ottomans failed to initiate the types of military reforms being carried out throughout the rest of Europe. Worse, even the traditional practices of war were sometimes forgotten. Fortifications left to decay and army training and discipline degenerated. Also forgotten were the logistical skills required for major warfare, which the Ottomans had previously famously excelled in. The decline in the Ottoman military, particularly in comparison with the improvements made by the Russians, was already apparent in the Russo-Turkish War of 1735-1739. to The Russians attempted then to make gains in Moldavia and Crimea to gain better access to the Black Sea. But due to the failings of their Austrian allies, and after the Ottomans allied with Prussia and Sweden, the Russians were unable to make significant territorial gains or forced the Ottomans to grant them the right to sail a fleet on the Black Sea. The Russo-Turkish Wars of the 1730s revealed in particular that the Khans of Crimea were no longer able to defend their territory. Their military strength had declined steadily over the decades, and they had become dependent on support from Istanbul. The Khanate boasted a proud heritage dating back to the great Genghis Khan. It had been founded back in the 1440s when the Great Horde disintegrated and had ever since been a scourge to Russia, launching raids endlessly northwards in search of plunder. In order to counter attacks from the Khanate, the Russians established a long series of fortresses known as the Belgorod Line. But as Russian power grew, their influence spread steadily southwards into the steppe lands, inhabited by a mixture of Cossacks and nomadic tribes. The Crimean economy was also shrinking, in large part because of reduced opportunities to plunder Russian and Polish territories and the subsequent undermining of the slave trade. In addition, Crimea suffered from constant political instability, with a series of short reigns of Khans, who each proved incapable of effective leadership at home or in foreign affairs. The Khans of the 1740s and 1750s adopted very cautious foreign policies and greatly reduced raiding so as not to give the Russians any provocation. They were well aware of Russian ambitions for their territory, which was described by Russian statesman Vorontsov as follows. Quote, as long as the Khanate remains subject to the Turks, it would always be a terror to Russia. But when it is placed under Russian rule or no longer be dependent of anyone, then not only Russia's security would be reliably confirmed, but Azov and the Black Sea would be under her, that is Russia's, power, and the nearer eastern and southern lands would be under her guard, which would inevitably draw their commerce to us. End quote. The impetuous decision of Mustafa III to declare war can be understood by growing anxiety about Russian ambition and the inexorable tilting of the balance of power towards St. Petersburg. But it was very badly thought through. Declaring war without having made preparations gave the Russians time to make their own preparations and needlessly redirected Russia's expansionist policies from the north to the south. One of Catherine the Great's first actions was to secure the allegiance of a nomadic tribe called the Yedisan Nogais, who agreed to sign a treaty of friendship with the Russian government. 
This was a significant blow for the Ottomans and Tatars, for the Yedison territory between the rivers Dnistra and Dnieper lay on the northern coast of the Black Sea between Ottoman-held lands and Crimea, which meant that the Sultan and Khan could henceforth only communicate by sea. The war which ensued took place on several different fronts on the northern and eastern littorals of the Black Sea. From west to east, they fought on the river Danube and the river Dnistra in Moldavia, the Perakop Isthmus, which led into the Crimean Peninsula, in the territory between the river Don and Caucasus, and also as far down as Georgia in the Caucasus Mountains. It's always great to hear from you, either on the Facebook page, Twitter at History Europe KB, KB for Key Battles, or you can write to me directly, Carl at C-A-R-L at HistoryEurope.net. If you'd like to support this podcast, you can do so at patreon.com slash historyeurope, where you can sign up for $3 a month to gain some extra material. I hope you can join me next week for the second and concluding part of the Russo-Turkish War and the annexation of Crimea. Until then, all the best and goodbye. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.